come sit with me in my kitchen, pour yourself a cup of tea, and let's chat. I am going to record a two-part installment to share my birth stories with anybody who's interested in listening. Uh, The first installment, I'm going to take the time to share my first, technically four birth stories, three life births, one miscarriage. I feel like it's important to provide context before I share my most recent birth story. That one is a lot more fresh in my mind, and so I'm going to share with more detail. It's just important for me to share the other three first. My eldest child is seven years old. His name is Kit. I conceived him uh, in deep love with the man who is now my husband. Um, At the time, we were not married. um, And I didn't know that I had conceived. And I didn't realize that I was pregnant for 15 weeks following conception, actually. I was very out of touch with my body and did not pay attention to my cycles, so it didn't even occur to me that I had missed a period. The only reason I found out then, at 15 weeks, was the result of receiving um, a rape kit at the local emergency room where I was living at the time. For obvious reasons, I, I was raped. I remember hearing the news that I was pregnant, sitting in the ER with my friend, who is now my sister-in-law, and hyperventilating, thinking that my entire world was imploding. It wasn't, and pregnancy was definitely not the worst thing to happen to me. It arguably was one of the best things, and I'm very thankful that I conceived my eldest son when I did. I didn't have a lot of understanding of physiology at that point in my life, so I was, like most women in this culture, okay with doing the status quo and just doing what I was told by perceived authorities. And that included, unfortunately, medical professionals, um, which also unfortunately extends into reproduction, which I'm not going to get into now. This isn't supposed to be a continuous podcast, but my husband is, I think he's like taking bets against me that I'm going to end up doing an actual podcast because of topics like that. Um, I'm not going to share too much today. I'm just sharing my birth story. Okay, so we'll talk about that at a different time. Ah, medical tyranny. What are you going to do? Okay. Every care provider that I saw that first pregnancy, and I use that term very loosely, care provider, because they didn't actually provide much care. All they did was provide a bunch of rules that I had to follow. Um, insisted on doing pelvic exams, despite the knowledge of my rape and its trauma. My husband, who wasn't my husband yet, um, stood by the exam table holding my hand during the very first 
pelvic exam that I would receive during this pregnancy looking very distraught and like he wanted to punch the old white male OB in the face. Um, yeah, it was very traumatizing. I wept. It, it made me have flashbacks and I felt completely violated once again on that table. It was morally reprehensible of that person to insist that I undergo a pelvic exam. Um, yes, I knew about home birth at the time, and I wanted that. Um, but as many victims of trauma and abuse do, I was carrying a lot of feelings around of self-loathing and unworthiness. I felt like I didn't deserve to pursue home birth. I didn't matter enough to make those kinds of waves. It was enough for me to just ride this through and, and just get through it all, meaning the pregnancy. I wanted to hurry up and get past the new mom thing. I didn't want to be a new mom. I wanted to be an experienced mom. Um, there's a lot to unpack with that, but that's right now I'm not going to go into it. And that's where I was mentally. Um, I wanted a natural birth in captivity, which if you know anything about hospitals, aka captivity, uh, you know that that's not really a thing. Um, one of my favorite quotes, I don't remember who said it. It might have been Robbie Davis Floyd, but... Don't quote me on that. Look it up. Somebody said that the very first intervention a woman can have during her birth is the moment she steps out of her house to leave it. And that's so true. At least in my experience, it is. It was my truth. It, it is an interference because you're leaving the safety of your own environment. Um, and... Once that happens, it's really no longer a natural process. It's, it's very much managed. I got impatient during that pregnancy. I didn't have any real-life examples of normal labor to draw from. That's not to say that I didn't know anybody who had experienced natural labor and birth and physiology. I actually did know women who did have that I just wasn't invited into their experiences to um, to learn or hold the space or serve them in any capacity as we historically would have done in days past. I don't blame them. It's not something to take lightly inviting somebody else into your sacred birth space. A lot of people carry fear, uh, cultural conditioning. Uh, impatience, ego, all kinds of stuff. And you don't want those energies clouding your own birth space. It can really mess you up. However, I am annoyed and I feel a lot of rage toward this, the cultural setup where women aren't with each other, that we're doing all of this in isolation, and that there are so many, so many 
young maidens growing up not having a clue about how their bodies work, especially in terms of birth. And that is a travesty. I went to the place of captivity way too early in my labor process because I was impatient, as a lot of first-time moms are, especially if they haven't done the emotional work of unpacking fears and expectations. Um, I hadn't. (laughs) Having an unmedicated experience was very important to me, though. In spite of all of the weird impatience that I was dealing with, I did maintain that I wanted to feel what my body was doing. I did not want to mess it up. I did not want to mess with it. I wanted to just let it happen the way it was supposed to happen. I made a mistake of going in there in the first place, but I didn't understand that at the time. And being trapped in that little itty-bitty hospital room with impatient people who think that they have authority and power over you? I mean, I'm amazed that women actually go into the hospital at all and manage to have unmedicated births. Uh... The environment is toxic. Um, Its very foundation is. I am not judging people, certain people who utilize or work in the system. This is a judgment against the system. Okay? As a whole. The entity. Right? Not the individual people. So I was impatient And that was reflected in the impatience of the obstetric nurse who called herself a midwife. She was tired, having just attended another birth right before mine. I could see it in her eyes, and I felt bad for her because I was keeping her up. I agreed to artificial rupture of membranes. It was horrible. It was violating. It was unnecessary. It was not benign. It was damaging and wrong, and I should have said no. Um, it was painful too. Um, after that, um, you know, they starve you when you're in there. So obviously you run out of energy pretty quickly because you can't keep it up since you can't eat. It's, you know, completely toxic. Um, so I got super tired and weak and couldn't hold my head up out of the water. My husband had to actually help me lift my head up out of the water. I was in a birth, uh, a laboring pool. They won't let you birth in a pool there because, you know, not because it's dangerous, but because they have the rules. That's literally what they say. Why do you have the rules then? It's really messed up. Anyway, I ended up accepting um, epidural pain medication and I slept. And it was... In a way, it was what I needed to do since I was in captivity, in that place where I couldn't surrender and let my guard down. It was what I physically needed to be able to sleep. When I'm sleeping, my guard is down, and therefore I relaxed and baby came down. So, yeah, that's pretty common. Um... I hated the epidural, though. It was very painful, obviously. And having to hold still in the middle of piggybacking contractions, it's torture. It really is. 
Um, and then I couldn't feel my legs afterwards too. You know, that's, that's kind of essential being able to feel your legs. It, it certainly doesn't hand you a feeling of power and autonomy when you can't move your legs without assistance. So, um, that definitely altered the way I gave birth. Um, coached pushing as per usual in captive birth. It was terrible. I was not ready to push and I pushed anyway. Um, it did enough to move baby into a crowning position. Once that sensation hit, I think the, the epidural started to wear off by this time because I felt crowning. Um, the sensation of my yoni stretching was so triggering to the trauma that I had experienced previously. Um, as often happens to victims of sexual violence. And I freaked out. And that feeling of stretching, I guess, and burning, um, aside from triggering me emotionally, it activated the fetal ejection reflex, and then my uterus took over, and I didn't, wasn't pushing with my abs anymore. It was just my uterus expelling um, my baby out. And as my husband so lovingly puts it, my vagina exploded, and my baby came flying out into my husband's arms. I sustained fourth-degree tears with that, 100% due to coached pushing and poor positioning. I was compressing my vaginal canal, so of course, I tore. Um, I was stitched up very poorly. Um, my yoni was significantly smaller than it originally was, which caused a great deal of pain, obviously. It's one of the most insulting things that you will experience if you decide to uh, birth in captivity, I guess. It doesn't always happen, but uh, the chances of it are, are pretty high. I did not feel like myself down there for well over a year. I developed a really bad infection because of the bad stitching. I um, had so much pain as the stitches tightened when they dried and pulled my skin together. Uh, my skin healed wrong down there, and not once but twice I had to go back in to the obstetric nurse office and without any local anesthetic at all, receive silver nitrate on these bad spots of skin that healed inside out to literally burn them off of my yoni. Uh, it is exactly as painful as it sounds. And yeah, it was just trauma heaped upon trauma over and over and over again, aggravating my already deep and festering wound emotionally. Well, and physically, really. My body was pretty messed up in that regard. Uh, I remember the moment 
where I decided that I was going to stay home to birth my baby. And it was the second time that I was laying on that ridiculous exam table, having the silver nitrate put onto my tender yoni skin and feeling it burn off of my body. I thought, there is no way that I am coming back to these people to birth my baby again. I'm staying home. This is nothing but torture. Um, there was a lot that, that came along with all of those things that together made a very tangled mess of trauma. Painful intercourse for well over a year. I held on to a lot of that trauma, of course, because I didn't know how to let it go. Physically, emotionally, mentally, or spiritually. I had anxiety, depression, self-loathing, and flashbacks. It was a very dark time. I felt so isolated. Um, and there was some cultural lies, too, that I still thought that I had to live up to as a new mom that did not resonate with me at the time. And because I was trying to live those instead of my own truth, that made the misery even worse. Um, like not bed sharing with my infant. I thought that I couldn't do that. And I nearly died of exhaustion. Um, it's not funny. It's, it's actually very scary and dark to be in that place. I started to do some work emotionally and we opened up to receive our second baby. Um, let's see. Yeah, it was December sometime uh, that we conceived him. And, or maybe it was the end of November. I can't really remember. Around that time after I had my son. So I remember the moment of conception I felt a spark in my womb, like somebody striking flint and steel. And a moment after the spark, I felt a tiny weight in my womb space. It felt like one of those fishing sinkers that they put on fishing lines to help the hook stay in the water. It was quite something. And I was completely in awe that somebody as mundane and ordinary as me got to experience something so surreal and awesome. So right before I conceived uh, my second baby, or maybe I was already pregnant with him because it was winter. Maybe I was pregnant. I'm getting my timelines a little bit messed up. I'm not great with linear thinking. I, it doesn't agree with me. I went to interview midwives, uh, which first means you have to find them. And if you know anything about home birth attendant midwives, they're usually kind of hard to find. Um, they're not usually advertising their services very publicly, especially in places where there's a lot of legal scrutiny and stupidity, honestly. <laughs> so I didn't know it at the time, but good old Google came to my aid for the knowledge that I could receive at the time. I googled home birth midwives where I live. And I live in a state where it's technically legal. It has a it has a legal status. 
So that can sound like it's a good thing. Um, it's not. Because with legality comes accountability to people that have no business uh, having any say. <laughs> so it's people that have nothing to do with your birth, making up arbitrary rules about your birth, and then holding the people who want to hold space for you accountable for how your unique birth experience goes based upon these arbitrary numbers. Um, it's not healthy and it needs to change. There should be no legal consideration it should neither be legal or illegal for women to hire whomever they want in their birth space uh that is a conviction i carry very passionately yeah if you just do a little bit of work and research it's really not hard to find the information to back up that conviction Anyway, so I found some sort of directory for the legally recognized midwives. In other words, they carry a state-issued license that comes with its own set of rules and regulations and restrictions. And, frankly, handcuffs. I made appointments with two of the midwives that I could find, and I interviewed both of them. The first one, we didn't really connect. I appreciated greatly meeting her. It was awesome having this whole new world of autonomy and home birth open up to me. Um, having never met anybody locally who had done it, I felt sort of like a pioneer. And then I realized, oh, wait a minute, I guess I'm not really a pioneer. There's other people that do this. So that was very cool. Um, I did not end up hiring her. Um, I met with the second midwife, and this is where it kind of gets good. Um, I remember sitting on her couch interviewing her and, and liking her passion and her interest in me and her work. She was not, and she truly cared about women. I could see that in her. Um, and I was sitting there on her couch. The interview was about to come to a close, and I felt really desperate to ask some super probing questions. And I just couldn't think of any because I didn't have the knowledge that I have now. Um, so I had just asked her to tell me her birth stories. And that was one of the best questions I could have possibly asked this midwife. Uh, she told me her birth stories happily. And the last thing she said was, yeah, my last baby came so fast, uh, the midwife didn't even make it. I'm not a huge fan of unassisted birth, and I'm not really part of the community, but that's what I did. I had an unassisted birth for my sixth in my backyard in the pool. I was like, oh, this is a thing. I had no idea other people did this. It instantly resonated with me. And I wanted to be a part of that community that she spoke about, even though that was clearly not her intention. So from then on, it became kind of an obsession while I started to learn about physiology and autonomous birth and I went to the library where one does and I started to find all the books I possibly could on the subject our library I was very thankful to see had books like heart and hands um Elizabeth Davis I think wrote that one it's not a, a book that talks about unassisted birth or anything but it is a great resource especially for somebody who's just starting out learning about physiology and doesn't really know where to start it's a great book i found the womanly art of breastfeeding again another great book that i have read 
multiple times in love. It's not from a perspective of free birth, but um, it really just has a sense of wise woman, sister to sister, let's sit down and have tea together and talk about things. Hey, this was my struggle and this is really normal and it's okay. I found Laura Shanley's book, Unassisted Childbirth, and she was like, I don't want to say an icon to me because I don't subscribe to that ideology, but and she was definitely a hero, a distant hero. I felt like, oh wow, I'll never achieve any of that. I didn't really understand a lot of what she wrote, but I really appreciated her stories. And it's funny because now we're friends on Facebook and she's <laughs> one of the most reachable people you'll ever meet. But that's a really good book too. I still recommend that people read that one. Even if you don't want to plan a free birth, it's just a good book. I read Spiritual Midwifery by Ina Mae Gaskin. I had mixed feelings about that one. On one hand, I adored those just like really folksy, primal, a secret village in the wood type black and white fuzzy photos of these long-haired women birthing their babies with very little, little minimal interference. And it inspired me. And a lot of what she wrote gave me the courage to keep doing the work as a woman to own my choices. I don't resonate with much of that stuff anymore. I, I look at that now where I am and think, Ooh, that is really hands-on and interferent and some might argue morally not okay, but that's not what we're discussing at this podcast. I'm just saying, as with all things, take it with a grain of salt, spit out the bones. <laughs> so after reading, I got really passionate about trying to find other women who'd done this. I thought, Maybe I'm nuts. Maybe nobody else has done this in this area, but I'm going to try my darndest to find people. I have to learn about this. So being the social media noob that I was at the time, I just randomly posted on my personal page (laughs) that I really didn't use a whole lot back then. Does anybody know about UC just those letters. I did not want to type out unassisted childbirth for fear of backlash and a bunch of fear mongering. I didn't want. Does anybody know about UC? Can you please message me if you do? If you don't know what those letters mean, then you are not the person I want to talk to. (laughs) But if you do, then please message me. So one woman did reach out and ironically enough, it was my um, high school science teacher and I did not realize that she was a birth attendant, and she offered her services. Um, after telling me that she herself had unassisted births, I'm not quite sure where the resistance and fear came from, but I realized later that fear was an underlying factor with a little bit of that. But I again second-guessed myself and struggled with feeling unworthy, so I just agreed, you know, as good girls do. And I had a total of, I think, three prenatal visits um, that pregnancy, and and they were all really, really great. Of course, there were aspects that I didn't care for. That's why I I ended up going a different direction with future pregnancies. But I really appreciate what this midwife taught me. Um, We didn't agree with everything, 
but I walked away with a lot more knowledge of physiology than I had uh, before I hired her. So I'm glad that I had that sense of camaraderie and sisterhood throughout that pregnancy. It really helped me not feel so isolated. And I wanted to have somebody who I knew fully supported my choice to birth at home to be excited with me about this. I was supported by family, but there was an element of fear and like, oh, what the heck? This is really weird from them. So it was hard to take their excitement seriously. I felt like it was kind of, oh, you know how you humor people sometimes. I mean, maybe not you, the listener, but people in general. That's kind of what it felt like to me. Not quite genuine, I guess. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but that's the way it felt to me. So the care that she provided me really was loving and kind and mostly holistic. It wasn't devoid of tests. She did use a Doppler, and at the time, I did not know um, about Doppler. I didn't even know what it was or understand how it works. Uh, Now, I would never agree to that, so my viewpoint has shifted. But for, at the time, um, that's what she used. There was a thread of fear and a little bit of ego with the care that they provided me. There was a team of two midwives. She worked with somebody else, and they both came to the prenatal visits and my birth. I felt super when I was entering my birth time. I felt grounded, supported, just at peace, and really joyful. Um, it was a really painless labor, and other than two times of interference from the midwife team. I didn't have any pain during my labor or birth. It was it was intense, of course, and somebody from the outside looking in might say, oh, that looks like you were in pain, but it, it wasn't. It was just intense. It was big. The two things that caused me pain were a hot oil pack on my perineum without asking, uh, and it was way too hot. It burned. I yelled at her about that, and... Um, And then the other midwife felt like she needed to lift the baby off of my pubic bone for really no apparent reason. He was not stuck. Um, I was working through those sensations really well, and so was my baby. I could feel it. We were doing just fine. And, you know, I think it might have been a little bit of a, I have this skill that I really want to use, and now's a good time to use it type of a thing going on. I can't speak completely on that, but that's how it seemed to me as the birthing woman and as it was my experience. Um, I should have been centered more. Um, So that bothered me. But beyond that, absolutely beautiful home birth. I'm super thankful that I got that experience. Third stage felt a bit rushed. I felt like, oh, they're tired and they want to go home. That's why they're saying, well, you need to give a little push and get this placenta out. Um, it wasn't very long at all until they were saying that. So, given space, I would have made that, come to that conclusion all by myself. I know that because I did with future births. 
Um, I did enjoy the home visits after the birth. That's always lovely, having that kind of sisterhood come and, and hold space for you to be excited and talk about nursing and how you're feeling and all of that. Of course, that woman-to-woman is just irreplaceable. And then the sense of being loved by these women, that is something I will be forever grateful for, um, knowing that it wasn't a relationship, it wasn't doctor-patient, it was relationship, friend-friend. We opened up to pregnancy again uh, when my second son, um, William, got a little bit older into toddlerhood. And we were very intentional about it. Um, It was not really a conscious conception, but we were consciously open to it. I just didn't realize that I had conceived right away. I was just feeling really off for like a week. And um, we'd been trying to conceive. And I had a dream one night um, when I was feeling really, really low emotionally and I couldn't pinpoint why and in the dream some people call it their spirit baby but my baby um came to me and told me his name and that he loved me and that he couldn't stay and um it shattered me uh in the dream his his sweet little face. Um, he um, looked like he had Down's syndrome, and he was very—he's just so happy and and content and joyful and completely accepting of everything. So open and so vulnerable, the soul. And <clears throat> I remember thinking responding in my heart after this vision, this dream, no, I don't want you to go. If you're my child, please stay. Why do you have to go? That doesn't make sense. Why can't you stay? Do you have somewhere else to be? Um, I woke up and felt really weird and then went back to sleep immediately, but I remember it so vividly. And then I had another dream, and in that dream, I was pregnant and... I went into labor way too early. Um, my my belly was very small, and I felt the labor sensations in my dream and actively pushed out my baby in the call placenta, and all everything came out at once, and it fit in the palm of my hand. And then I woke up, and I was weeping, and I knew that I had been pregnant for a moment. And then I wasn't. And sure enough, I started bleeding and passed some very large clots. And I felt like the birth process. Um, I was completely shattered. Uh, I had a hard time even getting up off the couch. I was just pallid and weak and lost a lot of blood and obviously super sad. And it impacted me very deeply. Uh, I was no longer really open to pregnancy after that. I felt like I needed some time to heal and integrate that experience. Uh, But I didn't get it. 
I conceived um, just like the next fertile window, right right after my bleeding was done, uh, we made love again, and it was healing. I remember that time. I, I felt sad inside, and I got tears in my eyes. Um, but, you know, it's like um, therapeutic. It was like a hug when you're grieving and someone hugs you and you cry on their shoulder. You're not crying because you're hugging them and it's bad. You're crying because it's release and it's healing. That's that's how it was. Um, and I conceived. And I didn't know that I had conceived. It was a surprise. And I figured it out when I got very weak and tired uh, and thought I was going to pass out a couple weeks later and took a pregnancy test in the Walmart bathroom. It was positive and I sat on the toilet and cried and not out of despair, just out of overwhelm and thankfulness that I was able to conceive and that there was a new life in my womb and, and sort of grief too because I knew I'm pregnant again. That means there is absolutely no way that the baby that said goodbye is still there. He, he's gone. And now I'm welcoming a new life. Um, and I made a choice that I was going to uh, free birth and not hire anybody. But coming off of a loss, um, I was emotionally teetering and reeling and didn't really recover from that the entire pregnancy. And that's not a great headspace to be in. I ended up transferring myself into captivity um, where I would find plenty of resistance, which is what I seemed to want. And I think it was because I wasn't ready to surrender. I birthed her in captivity and immediately regretted going there. Um... Her birth was powerful, and I'm so thankful that she has entered our lives. My my daughter, she's she's my little morning song. She was born right as the sun rose, and I'm very thankful to have that experience and to have moved through it and learned. I think I'm going to end here and talk about building my community uh, at the beginning of the next segment. Thank you so much for joining me and holding space for me to share my story.